everybody. This is Jen Kleinhens. And I'm Rob Vose. And you are listening to another episode of Everybody Hates Your Brand, a podcast where we talk about our thoughts and opinions on marketing, from customer experience to brand and everything in between. Join us today as we talk about age and marketing. Is it really just a number? So this uh, podcast uh, had a catalyst, and the catalyst... Uh, was the birthday of one Jenny Kleinerhens this week. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. Um, and it got us thinking about two kind of areas we wanted to talk about, really, with in relation to age in marketing. So one was, uh, there's been a debate for some time now around the idea of ageism in marketing, and very specifically, uh, agency side. Uh, and whether once a day we want to talk about it a little bit about do we think that's the, you know the actual case um, why is it um, and what can we do about it and then the other part that ties in eventually but is around um, what I would call the lazy uh, obsession with talking about generations of people whether that's boomers millennials whatever it is uh, as entirely homogenous groups okay boomer which I'm not a boomer. I'm I couldn't Gen resist. X. How dare you? We're talking about age. We have to say okay, boomer, but, at least once. But but the the point the point being that that the idea of of targeting by generations and what are the flaws in that. So those are kind of two areas mm-hmm. that we want to talk about. So um, if we start with the the ageism thing, there's a few sort of stats that I've been pulling out because you know I will give my age. I am now the grand old age of forty three. Oh my. Uh, which I can't quite get my head around. And it's not that old. Even it feels like it. It's even old. when I was um been agency side at DDB, I think I started when I was about thirty seven, I think I moved to Australia. So so I was old even by, by agency standards then. Um so here's some here's some sort of stats, okay? So this one comes from uh well Bob Hoffman, uh, who's a fantastic Again, good uh, cantankerous old man um, from advertising. He talks about age a lot. So while people over 50 compromise 42% of adults in the US, they compromise sorry, comprise only 6% of agency employees. It's even more pronounced in creative departments where people over 50 make up about the 0% of the population. Um, this one's a good one. Uh, according to an IPA excellence paper written by AMV, AMV BBDO's strategy director, wow. we really need to have a... A, a, a podcast about agency branding because what is that? Oh my. Um, Olivia Stubbings. Uh, the over 50s represent just 6% of Adelaide's workforce, so a similar number. To put that in perspective, 22% of those in finance are over 50, 28% in medicine, 30% in science, and 35% in law. Can, can I ask a, a question I don't think we have the answer to? Uh, Where do all these people go? It's a good client side. Um, oh. Generally, I think. And then a chap called Mark Reed, who I believe is the CEO of WPP. So oh yes, he got, the guy he who got in some hot water. He did. When he said kind of a fairly sort of throwaway throwaway line that the average age of somebody who works at WPP is less than thirty. They don't hark back to the nineteen eighties, luckily. Um and and it's not just those kind of stats that bear it out. The the sort of the attitudes of people. Uh, also bear that out. So according to Digiday Research, I'll link all this, uh, 54% of employees with more than 15 15 years of experience believe they've experienced ageism 
Uh, ages. So ages. wait, so let's do a, a, some quick math. So if you started working after university or college, mm-hmm. you're what, 22? 21, 22. 21, 22. Yeah. So these are people who are what then? 36? 35, 36, yeah. Wow. Um, and old, obviously. Um, yeah, I believe they've experienced uh, ageism. Yes. Now, I can't say I've ever experienced direct ageism, but I do remember being at DDB and feeling... Unless you were in a super senior position, like you were the you know chief creative officer or an MD or a really senior managing partner, I was old. By some, I was well above the average age. I would say, uh, if I think about my team and I think about the rest of the people there, mm. I was definitely uh, on the old side. Let's put it that way. Um, so thank you to Simone Blakers for hiring me in the first place. I'm <laughs> um, sort of got thinking about about why that is and I think there's two parts of that well maybe more but the idea that I would argue controversial it's not controversial it's probably just a fact the agency model is based on cheap labour and high turnover because the margins are so terrible so if you think about at the moment especially where agencies are pressured from a there are less retainers more project work um they're obviously pitching, which means they've been got to upskill and downskill pretty mm-hmm. quickly if they lose or gain gain clients. That the idea is that you uh, and the cost and the margins are so crap because obviously the agency model is still based on you know payment on production and right. margins are so tight and procurement companies are involved and all this stuff's happening that's putting downward pressure. It's fundamentally partly a costing. Older people are more expensive. Well, it's difficult, too, because I feel like advertising is not, it's not not scalable, but it's not really scalable. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, if you have a poster that has to get created or a TV commercial or whatever, like, you create the TV commercial, and unless you're you're doing, like, media brokerage or something like that, if you're just creating the creative, you make the TV commercial, and it goes out to people, but you're not paid, usually, based on, like how many awards it wins or how many times it's shown no. or no. or any of that. You're basically paid to like create a TVC or yeah. TV commercial and that's it. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's a, a flaw we should discuss in the future there around agency modeling. And, you know, we, uh, in terms of, we talked about this with the talking about the pitching things we hated about, you know, mm-hmm. advertising pitching, one of them that you're not, advertising agencies are paid for production. They're not paid for the quality of the thinking or the quality of the creative, all those kind of things. Now, if you're a super good agency, if you're Adam and Eve DDB, mm-hmm. I'm sure you can charge a lot more than uh, you know a smaller agency down the road kind of thing. But it's still based on that kind of concept, largely, which I think is a bit weird. Um, Rory Sutherland, who is mentioned on this podcast before, who is Ogilvy's vice chairman, uh, said he's got a couple of, couple of reasons um, Advertising, by failing to ally itself to any recognisable science or body of knowledge, does not really pay a premium for experience. Ooh, that's wait. Say that again. Say that. This is good. This is. It's um, good. And it ties into what we talked about last week with the Byron Sharp stuff about mm-hmm. his book that came out in two thousand ten. He's saying that there are immutable laws in there. Yes. Um, but so Rory said, <laughs> Rory, wrong first name. Too. Yes, we're Rors, totally on first name basis. Rors. Uh, advertising by failing to ally itself to any recognisable science or body of knowledge does not really pay a premium for experience. 
There is no mental framework on which you can hang a lifetime of accumulated experience. Mm. This means that we habitually value youth and vitality over wisdom and maturity. And the second point was engineers, doctors, lawyers have the advantage of an argument from authority. We have no such luxury. Every argument, every viewpoint of view has to be defended from scratch, which I think is interesting. So I, I think it ties into the obsession with the new that we've talked about multiple times on this podcast about digital magpies mm. that we seem to think and we've talked about this mm-hmm. the unchanging person yes the unchanging man or, or woman but it's me saying he called it the unchanging man in yes, the 60s I know, I know. mankind but that idea that 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 um you and i i think believe which is that you know snapchat tiktok whatever's the new thing mm-hmm. is a tactic it doesn't necessarily fundamentally change the motivations of the people have it might amplify them and speed them up and those kind of things. Right. But people's behaviors are still, and motivations are still, they still stand. Yes. You I, know. And it's an interesting one though, because I, I can kind of see the, the flip side of it too, which is um, especially more of like the brand led agencies. I mean, they're paid to be like on the bleeding edge of culture. They're, they're paid to kind of know what's next, what's coming, what's cool. I think is, is a big part of it. I mean, yeah. and, and there's sort of this pervasive belief that, that's very problematic, I think, that cool is good and cool is young and cool is attractive and cool is a certain sort of, like, standard or norm that that people want to, like, crack the code of. And they yeah. think that it's only by, you know, getting people that fit a certain mm-hmm. kind of mold, be that age or, or look or education or yeah. whatever, um, that's part of it. I think and I think that that obsession with youth is f- flawed, and we'll come to that in a minute. But in short, they haven't got any money. But older people are more likely. They don't have any money, money. yet. This but we'll is come. True. We'll come to that. <laughs> but there's a couple of things that I've read that kind of feel quite insidious about the way in which agencies and sort of use language to to not say we don't want old people. Mm-hmm. But they use different terms. So this idea that that if you're you know you're over fifty, you don't understand digital, which everything's digital anyway now. So it's a stupid point of view to say. But um, this idea that you know I want somebody who's a digital native or who grew up that in is, the social age. I have or, a real issue with that, considering this yeah. this stat around the most successful startup and startup being like scalable, usually digital. Making mm. some assumptions here, but the age of successful startup CEOs tends it's I think on average forty two. Yeah, and it, nobody who's forty-two years old was a digital native. I, I don't mm. understand why exactly. Well, and I also think this is a critical piece of the puzzle for people. I also think we've the idea that that somebody my age is not a digital native is flawed too. Well, that's ridiculous. So, Nobody's like a doc. No one woke up and was a doctor. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. Nati- so, They're a native doctor. So like, I grew you can't up. Learn how to do things. You know, I grew up when I was a kid. <laughs> I was born in seventy-seven. Yeah, and. Uh, Three big things happened. Queen's Silver Jubilee, Star Wars, and me being born. Uh, <laughs> <The third one. laughs> but um I so I grew up when I was a kid, it was all cassette tapes and old, you know, old fashioned physical media and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't make me incapable now of having a Spotify premium or using Netflix or being on TikTok or all those kind of things. Yeah, well it's absurd. The idea that you're not because you're not you know You know who else wasn't a digital native? Steve what? Jobs. Exactly. Okay, so there you go. We'll just, when in doubt, reference Steve Jobs. <laughs> or quote Steve Jobs. And I think the, the, the cost one is an interesting one, though, because I do think, 
there's this, there's this bit about it. it's cheaper. You can just mm-hmm. hire somebody young, mm-hmm. especially if they're account managers or even creatives, planners, whatever it is. You can hire people young, work them hard because they haven't got kids. They haven't got to, you know, the accoutrements of life that you kind of, you know, pick up across along the way. Mm-hmm. They haven't realized maybe mm-hmm. their own worth yet. And they're just excited to be in a cool, quote unquote, environment. And they, you know, they're cheap and they can and they they always know there's somebody new coming down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. And I think so I think there's there's two elements to it. I think there's a push element in the sense that as you get older, the hours you work in agencies and all those kind of things become less and less palatable, potentially. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. you do see from some of the stats that I've seen, you know, people do go to client side um not that you don't work long hours in client side sometimes but it's a bit more predictable you haven't got pitches and all that sort of stuff yeah i, do, I think you get you get paid for mm-hmm. something different a different set of skills and i think there's also an assumption in agencies that uh i think clients maybe don't work as hard which yes. having been a client i would disagree with yeah me too but it's a different it's a different skill set for sure but i also think the push element is so there's this bit about i don't want to do this anymore but there's also that element of we don't want to pay for you anymore. <laughs> well, it's like consultancies, but it's like up yes. or out. I mean, mm. pick one. And they're saying that a lot of the people who are over 50, I say they, who mm. are they? The wizards? No, like this kind of, <laughs> I was reading an article about this idea that if you are over 45, 50 and you're still in the, still in the game, you mm-hmm. are either in a, a highly senior position in the agency. Right. Or you've started your own thing. Maybe, yeah. You so know, those are the kind it. of, yeah. that's what protects you. Either you've worked your way out to the ladder to the point where you're the chief creative officer or whatever or it is, or you have built. You, this is mine, so mm. I'm staying. You know, like there's no, there's no kind of two ways about it. It was interesting. Right. I remember there was um, there was a there was a line. I'll try and find out where this was from, but but this made me laugh. Uh, our industry is comprised of inexperienced staff who systematically ignore the world's most valuable audience. No wonder our influence in the bedroom in the, in the bedroom. In the, whoops. And uh, that's it for today. And that's it for today's episode. I'm dead. No wonder our influence in the boardroom. Oh, Jesus God. Christ. Now it really is. We've earned that not suitable it for work. It's waning. Oh, my Rob. <laughs> yeah. This is what happens when you get old, you see. Oh, no. <laughs> but I, so I think there's definitely that element of um, it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and old. the older you get, the, the less... I mean, this might be not true. I don't know how sure how true this is, but the less likely you are to to want to work insane hours mm. because you have again the accoutrements of life. You have. I don't know if that's true. I mean, I'd, I'd be interested. I don't have any stats on it. Yeah. But but like, if you've got two or three kids, do you want to be working the agency side? Maybe you do. Maybe you've got a great. I'm not saying. And and to be absolutely clear, we're not saying all agencies are terrible. No, not at all. This is general trends. Yes. Um, which I think are fairly um, uh, robust in terms of what we're saying. Um, it's just really interesting, but I think I think the problem then kind of translates. There's a there's an obsession with youth at both client and agency side. I think in terms of the people who work there, especially agency, but also the people who are targeted with marketing campaigns. Ah, uh, yes, part two. Yeah, so kind of, but they're they're connected in that way. I think um, the amount of briefs I've seen with lazy. Yeah, lazy targeting and generalizations around an age group of 10, 15 years breadth. Millennials. Boggles the mind. Well, exactly, exactly. So the I think there's two problem. bits there. I think there's one that's the laziness there. And I think, secondly, 
um, this obsession with youth mm. means that what? people with money, mm-hmm. which is more than likely older people, uh, get get excluded from from targeting. Like, yeah, and I think a lot of the reasoning that I've heard is because if you target young, cool people, then everybody else will go like, oh, young, cool people do this, so I should do this too. Or um, this idea that like, well, we'll target young, cool people, and when they become older people, they'll be loyal to our our brand because we targeted them when they were but that you know, doesn't image twenty. All of Brian Sharp says says that's nonsense. It is. It's true. And there's it's a great house. According to campaign Simon Gwynn, the over fifties make up a third of the UK population, but hold eighty percent of the wealth. Yeah. Um, sorry, millennials. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, I'm Gen Z. But not only does this older age group have more money, they're also not afraid to spend it. Um, so Nielsen did a report. So it's what uh, what it's well established that boomers have the most money to spend. Mm. There is a bias to believe that older people spend less of what they have. Mm-hmm. Whilst this may have been true of the generations of older consumers that preceded the boomers, it simply does not apply to this generation. The over fifty spending is so high, in fact. They account for the majority of value in many categories. Mm. So sixty percent of all car sales. Lonely Planet claim they account for fifty eight percent of spending in travel and tourism. Barclays believe they're responsible for fifty eight percent of hospitality and leisure sales. Mm-hmm. Cantar found they account for fifty percent of health and beauty uh, value sales, and forty nine percent of FNCG sales. To put mm-hmm. it bluntly, the other features the most valuable generation in the history of marketing, and that they are ignored by almost all advertising. It is estimated that only five percent of advertising dollars are targeted to adults aged thirty five to sixty. Wait, how many advertising dollars? Five percent. Five percent are targeted to adults aged 35 to 64. Imagine how small that mm. figure would be if it were to focus in on the over 50s only. See, I've always thought this would be a great idea for either an agency, which I think there are a few I'm sure, that target older are, people, yeah. or a business. Like, this is the thing, like, you would you would go on Shark Tank or Dragon's Den and you would pitch, oh, my target is 55 plus, and they would look at you like you're crazy. Mm. But actually... Yeah. It's it's very it's very savvy because they they've mm. got the money they want to spend it on themselves the kids are out of the house like yeah, yeah. and I think I think there's a they they people of of older age ranges don't see advertising as they see it they see them not being targeted so mm-hmm. um, Sun Life conducted a survey of fifty thousand people and three quarters thought that they were never represented in mainstream ads never. and if they were they were this kind of Werther's Originals. Do you have Werther's Originals in America? We do have them, yes. Okay, fine. And they are also targeted the same way. But the, but everybody who's over 55 is some Werther's Original sucking, cardigan-wearing thing. And, and it... Thing. Person. Oh, glory insurance. And it ties into, <laughs> again, what we've talked about. So we've just talked about over 50s as being this valuable thing. Mm-hmm. But in reality, and that's true at a macro level. Yes. But again, targeting by... A 20, big giant hunk years. of it's ages. It's so dumb. It's not even. Yeah, I mean, even what we've just been saying for the past few minutes is not true. I mean, it's mm. it's a it's a heuristic. It's a shortcut yeah. to say people over fifty five have more money. But that's if you drilled down to individual people or you decided to parse that yeah. slightly differently. Of course, that wouldn't be true because no. that's not you know someone who, for instance, is living mm. in like the mountains of Kentucky with a high school education who's fifty five plus has a very different financial picture than someone who's yeah. living in New York City. Oh, absolutely, um, and is a partner in a consulting firm or something. I mean, absolutely, and and I think whatever age group you're talking about, whether it's that kind of Werther's original pipe smoking, uh, cardigan wearing picture of over fifty fives, or that millennials are all, you know, liberal, mm-hmm. environment caring, 
no one, you know, they all want, they want experiences, not 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 products and all that sort of stuff. Is just what I don't get is that it's such self-evident horseshit Mm. that that and maybe because my CRM background, I don't know. That's not a segment. That's not a group of people. A segment is supposed to be homogeneous within itself and hex. Homogenous, homogenous. Oh, okay. Homogenous. I thought maybe this was a British homogenous within homogenous. itself, okay. but heterogeneous uh, to everything else. So different to, to the other yes. segments. Yes. Like Nisi. What's is how... what's millennials like? Born in ninety seven to two thousand and ten or something ridiculous. There's a great stat that that's um, not true because I'm a millennial, just barely. Are you though? I am a millennial. I'm in all of the definitions. I'm a millennial. Okay, fine. Absolutely. There's no no because I was too young for Nirvana, and to me that is the divide. That's the divider. If you were if you're the right age for Nirvana, then mm. you're. Uh, but Gen in X. this, there's a, there's a <laughs> this made me this made Jen laugh out loud earlier. Oh, no. In the UK alone, <laughs> there are seventy eight thousand millennials whose children are also millennials. Oh my god! So just to put that in pers- in in perspective <laughs> for those people who are not in the UK. Population in the UK is what, like 65 million? Yeah, so that's a pretty take. significant amount of people for mm-hmm. 65 million people. It's ridiculous. I, it just almost 100,000 people are yep. millennials with kids who are also millennials. Let that sink in. Yeah. Do the math. I mean, what is that? I and mean, yeah. It's just so. So who are we targeting? Are we targeting so ridiculous. mom? Are we targeting the kid? Yeah, exactly. Why are, we, why are we saying, do they both value experiences and not products? Which, yeah. by the way, Bain just did a bunch of, we'll, we'll link it. But Bain, uh, the consultancy, did a bunch of research where they found out that, whoops, now everybody wants products and not experiences. Millennials want products, not experiences. Yeah, because I've always thought that thing about I want experiences is flawed because wow. I can't afford a car. Wow. If I could afford a car, I'd love a car. Thanks very much. But again, it, this idea that... But also you... doing stuff is fun. So I, I don't necessarily <laughs> take issue stuff. with that. I think experience, like there's something to it. But That's, I mean, as human insights go, yes, that's up there. Well, doing stuff is fun. Doing stuff is fun. Trademark. Not for everybody, though. Not for everybody. As we know, there's a segment of people that don't want to be bothered. True. And I'm I'm in both of those segments, depending on the day. But I think what I think there's 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 a couple of so I think we you know your passions, your habits, Mm -hmm. your temperaments unite, not generational groupings. Exactly. Um, We're throwing out a bunch of different sort of links here, but. Actually, Jen sent me this a few days ago. It's from BBH Labs. It's a great article. It's fantastic. I posted it on my LinkedIn. And it it. looked at this measure of group cohesion. So they asked people in different groupings a series of questions and asked what they thought about it and then figured out what the averages were for across all those questions and and therefore how similar were the answers within certain groups. Yeah, so the hypothesis being that if millennials and gen x and all of this was the right way to group people then yeah. they would have similar answers to the yes. questions based on solely yeah. their generation and it'd be much higher than sort of the average that yes. would over index yes but if you look at millennials gen x and boomers not not massively different to the rest of the population you're more likely to have a different opinion uh or higher cohesion score if you floss you know, oh, so, so if you're talking to if you, if, the same opinions? Not same, but more likely well, to likely than just millennials. millennials. Yeah. They're crossword fans, they're extroverts, daily nut eaters. Daily nut eaters. Make of that what you will. All right. Introverts or Orangina drinkers. Remember the old Orangina uh, yes. drink. So this idea... Or, or as someone in a French class of mine once called it, Orangina. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry, it's what I think every time I, I mean, see Orangina. But this this <laughs> idea that... that, that, that 
millennials are all the same, all have the same habits. It's just, it, yeah. it, on face value, it's so stupid. So, yeah. yes. and, and I think it's, it's, it's exacerbated in terms of the way in which data is presented. So there was a great um, uh, poll by Ipsos Mori, a piece, a piece of work that they did, um, where they kind of, this great quote that I uh, found from it. So millennials are the most carelessly described group we've ever looked at. Ooh. Myths and misunderstandings abound with bad research jumping to general conclusions based on shallow caricatures. It's because everybody needs a clickbait. Yes, burn. Everybody needs a headline. Mm-hmm. They need clickbait. I mean, and that's, that's that was true before the internet. It's exacerbated and accelerated yeah. by social media and the internet Absolutely. and all that. But I think that's part of it. It's like you want to be like, what, what did Mark say? It's like, oh, look, I learned something. I know something. Yeah, I, know I know something. something. Hey, exactly. listen to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it until yeah. everybody's saying it pretty and the, soon. And the problem, again, tying back to Mark, the conversation we had with Mark Russell last week, who's mm-hmm. um, director of Data and Insight at uh, BBDO, Clemenger BBDO in Melbourne, mm-hmm. was looking at insight numbers in the right way. So young people have always been vilified. So there's a great quote. This is from Plato. Mm-hmm. What is happening to our young people? They disrespect their elders. They disobey their parents. Doctor, disrespect your elders. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't that sound uh, familiar? Yes. And the, what it basically means is, if you're going to make a statement about millennials, say mm-hmm. X percent of millennials think this, mm-hmm. you have to put it in some reference. Well, you don't have to. You should mm-hmm. put it in some reference. So, what did previous generations think when they were the same age? Mm-hmm. So you're comparing. Older people now, but their opinions when they were young, because we know people's opinions change as they get older, they mm-hmm. change political stances, they do all sorts of different things mm-hmm. as you go through life stages. So saying that millennials think this, well, did my generation, Generation X, think mm-hmm. the same when they were kids? Did that because otherwise that's doesn't who cares? And it's the same it did, as it's always maybe been. They didn't. I exactly. will reference the great American movie Twenty One Jump Street, where mm. They send a bunch of college kids. Well, college age. Like, what are they supposed to be? Like, 26, 27, Channing Tatum yeah. and, and Jonah Hill? They send them undercover into a high school in, what, like, 2015? It feels like that movie came out a million years ago, but it's not really that it's old. It's not that old. But... And they send them there, and they're, like, very uh, – they're anticipating, mm-hmm. you know, one's a jock, one's a nerd. And then yeah. they get there, and everything's different. People care about cool the environment. The isn't. Yeah, it's absolutely. cool to have a Prius. It's cool to – yeah. Oh, do some other things. And but. I think the other thing that, that this report talks about is the idea that society is changing in general. So attitudes towards women's role in society has changed across most age groups, mm-hmm. as has oh, attitudes yeah. towards homosexuality or whatever it might be. A lot of those things have changed mm-hmm. across yeah. all age groups. Yeah, but again, true. if you read any survey that says millennials think this without comparing it to older generations when they were young mm-hmm. or to other age groups now... It's worthless. Millennials can't buy houses because they buy avocado toast. Yeah, I mean that's just comes to mind. But but that that kind of thing about it, it's the it's because it, it's so easy. Yeah, and you can build a plausible story around like avocado. This is narrative know, bias. This is the danger of narrative bias where yeah. it's plausible but not true. And Absolutely. and everyone loves a story, so they're like oh well we'll hang hang our hats on this story and we'll sell this story and because it's a story people you know yeah. they're like nodding along they get it they're like oh okay. Yeah, this this makes sense. Whether it's true or not is a whole different story. Absolutely. Um, but you know, sadly, the truth is a lot of times more messy, more complicated, and won't fit on twenty PowerPoint slides. Exactly. So. so I think what we've kind of talked about there, I think, is the 
is age in a couple of contexts. We've mm. talked about it in the sense of ageism within agencies, which I think is a problem. I think the industry acknowledges a problem. There's a lot mm-hmm. of articles uh, about it. Um, one of my favourite people to follow is Cindy Gallup. Oh, yeah, uh, she's great. Who's amazing, um, both in terms of campaigning for reduction in sexism in in agencies she seems cool she's amazing but also in terms of ageism and this idea that we talked about about cheaper labor force etc etc um this again i realize we're doing a lot of quotes here but i think they're all trying to add kind of color and context Mm. they don't understand that experience and expertise are incredibly time and cost efficient and that they could be making huge amounts more money by hiring promoting valuing retaining older employees this is true um so it talks a lot about that, and I think I think it's it's something that's a structural problem that will only change with some concerted effort. Yeah, well, I mean, I think diversity of thought is is one of these things, and the mm. age, of course, is a part of that. Like, yeah. you know, it, a lot of things go into diversity, but I definitely think um, age and the way people think, the way people are educated, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in terms of like, you know, are they more mathy? Are they more data driven? Yeah. Are they more creative? Like. You know, did they used yeah. to be like a psychologist or, you know, an artist? Like all of these things I think are great because when you have to solve problems, you need different ways of thinking about it. And that yeah. that would include things like life experience. Um, I mean, it's interesting, you know, we talk about age and it being, you know, my birthday and everything. It's easy to kind of get a little sad, a little depressed because I'm getting older. I'm doing some things. No, but I, I, I think having a discussion about age in the workplace, I, I would I would be remiss if I did not mention the sort of female side of this equation yes i think that's which fair. is not just getting too old but being too intersectional young. well being too young right so this is something that i have struggled with in my career is you know i would like to flatter myself and believe that i look much younger than i am but you know my voice is sounds young mm-hmm. my mom who we won't say how old my mom is or she'll fly to england well, and kill me murder you in your sleep, yeah. <laughs> not that we should be ashamed i mean you know mm-hmm. it's, it's our age right but um, she has a very youthful voice. I mean, people think uh, she's, you know, in her early 20s on the phone and things. You sound very similar. Yeah, and times. we sound very yeah. similar. So, like, this is something I've heard a lot of women talk about, and it really feels true. You're either too young, and they tell you to wait in line. Oh, it's not your turn yet. you got to wait. And, you know, you watch people who are mm-hmm. younger than you, less experienced than you, get promoted and do things and stuff. And then you're suddenly too old. Oh, my God. There's no perfect age, right? Like, it yeah. does feel like women sort of get... The short end of the stick. Well, they're getting it. The they're getting kicked in multiple directions. You get it in both directions. Both gender, age, yeah. age on top of that. Exactly. It was interesting what you were talking about earlier around um, diversity of thought, mm. because the BBH Labs thing does some work looking at um, that group cohesion and cohesion of thought by profession. Mm-hmm. Guess who is the most like-minded quote oh, unquote no. industry? Is it marketing? It's marketing. Oh man. Followed by teaching, the armed forces, farming, law, IT, construction, HR, and sales. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So uniformity of thought is higher in marketing than it is in the military? Than it is in the military. In the military? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my marketing. We we have some things to talk about. And if you got, yeah, (laughs) we're talking about, you know, it's like that, um, the scene in, this references it, the scene in Life of Brian, where all those people turn up at Brian's house. It's like, you're individuals. And they all turn back and go, and unison go, yes, we're all individuals. <laughs> it's there's, and I think it, if you want to learn a bit more about it, market orientation, go back and listen to episode one of our podcast mm-hmm. if you haven't already, because we talk about the idea that you know marketing is the uh, mm-hmm. is, it likes to think that everyone's like it, like itself, mm-hmm. and it and it very much isn't. And the other bit 
we talked about is about the targeting by age and by generations. I think both Joe and I would say stop, stop, stop that. Mm. Um, I think we'd also say representation of of all age ranges mm-hmm. in advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. Do you think? Do you think part of it comes from brands? So as a brand, you don't necessarily want to be. Perceived. You don't want to be associated yeah. with because people worry that you're saga or something, you know. So, so yeah. uh, for those of you in, uh, in outside of it's this interesting country, saga is a, a brand specifically for over fifty fives, I think it is. Yeah, I don't actually mm. know what that is. They but... do holidays and various and cruises and various. Oh, things I like. see. It's like uh, maybe. And then they do a bunch of other stuff as well, but yeah. Yeah, well, I, it's an interesting one because you know, like I noticed, I was on um, the Whistles website. So Whistles is a clothing brand in the yes. UK. Um, and they have started to um, feature models with a, a lot of diversity and age being one of those factors, cool. right? Which actually, um, I, I kind of had that thought when I first saw that. I thought, well, I wonder, is, is this going to do something in their brand perception? Or is that Are they doing it for a reason? Is their customer older? Like, it, mm. it, But at the end of the day, I think they're just doing it because it's like the right thing to do. Mm. Because they know the people shopping on their website are not all like 22 years old or whatever yeah. like the ideal they're facing sort of... reality yeah it's based in reality and I, I should mention um i think the other brand that does that is jigsaw but you know if you look at uh, i don't want to name any name i don't want to name and shame really but if you look at some of the like quote unquote cooler brands or whatever like you don't necessarily see yeah. that diversity of age which yeah. really reflects like who their who their customer might be because i think mm-hmm. that's a part of it too i mean everything is online everything's e-commerce like there's nothing like if there's a store that a bunch of like 13 year old girls are walking into like a physical store mm-hmm. and it's like a clothing store like me as someone who is older than that <laughs> slightly uh i would see that and go like oh am i like is that Mm. Is that going to be something that, like, is going to appeal to me? Is it going to be something I wear to work? Or is it all going to be, like, belly shirts and, yeah. like, you know, I don't yeah. I don't know what teenagers wear now. But uh, not stuff that I would wear to work, generally, I would say. Um, but but if you're online, I mean, maybe I'm going to go to ASOS and, like, find some cute earrings. Like, mm-hmm. go with something with an outfit that, like, mm-hmm. works with work that, you know, or, yeah. like, a suit. So I think you can shop a lot more piecemeal. Uh-huh. And so it just makes business sense to say, like, well, if – if a lot of different kinds of people, however, you know, you're going to yeah. define that, are shopping, you know, at mm-hmm. our store or, you know, going through the e-commerce portal, or whatever, like, obviously, we should reflect those people. And in yeah. fact, there is a behavioral psychology principle. That's right. I'm <laughs> never going to let a whole, I'm never going to no. let a whole episode go without doing one of these yeah. called the self-reference effect, where they they find that, you know, when people see themselves represented in something like the Dove mm. Real Beauty campaign, which if you're not familiar, we will link it, but essentially, like... It's, it's an older campaign now. I think it's like oh, it 15 is, yeah. years old. But when it came out, it was really mm. revolutionary because it showed like real women with real women's bodies, which is, yeah. you know, imperfections and no Photoshop and all of this yeah. stuff. It was, so it was very radical. But when they, for the time. Um, but even, you know, the example of, uh, I, we can link the story I wrote about it, but even the example of having um, mannequins in like Lady Foot Locker that have mm-hmm. muscles. Mm-hmm. Like, well, of course they should. It's like an athletic store. Like, I remember yeah. going to an Under Armour store in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, in the mall, and seeing a a mannequin with like hamstring muscles and stuff. And I was oh, like, my. I was looking at it. I was like, well, of course this makes sense. Yeah. 
Like, if you want to be athletic, if you yeah. want to, like, lift weights or do CrossFit or whatever, yeah. like, why would you want to look at a mannequin that, like, doesn't reflect your reality, mm-hmm. right? So this is the whole thing with the self-reference effect. Basically, like, when people see themselves reflected in advertising, like, they mm. like the brand more. It makes sense to them yeah. because it's like, oh, well, people like me, yeah. however you want to define like me, shop here. It's and why, also, it's just the right thing to do. Yeah, it's why the broader scale, something like Black yeah. Panther, rest in peace, Chabot Bozeman, no, um, was so important. Mm-hmm. For a lot, of, you know, for a lot of communities across the world, why Captain Marvel is the first, you know, I'm a big superhero fan as you can tell. But those kind of films that are that are marquee yeah. films. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we kind of got off the point. Well, the point is, I will always talk about behavioral science in one of these episodes. Yeah, that is you always, always the talk point. about Marvel. So that is that is true. But I think I think <laughs> two ticks. So, in short, um, higher older people, higher mix of ages, diversity uh, on all scales. Brands, please don't ignore. Over over fifties, over forty fives, yes. over fifties. They got a lot of money, and you're shooting yourself in the foot. Mm. They think Byron Sharp has taught us. Oh, Byron Sharp! Penetration, Castanet wide. What do we call him? The um, Dark Lord. What, the or Dark what Lord is Mark, of Penetration? Mark, Mark Ritson, Ritson calls Ritson him that, him which, that. which I love. Um, it's terrifying. <laughs> uh, and and if you're going to segment, yes, for the love of God, don't segment on big age generations. Do it based on attitudes or what mm-hmm. things they're buying or, or whatever it might be. Or anything. Behaviors, attitudes, whatever it is. Yes. Don't use age. It's absurd. So that's it for this episode of Everybody Hates Your Brand. We hope you enjoyed it. You can find show notes, resources, and more episodes on our website, everybodyhatesyourbrand.com. But before we go, let's leave on a positive note and share what we're loving right now. And in fact, I always throw it to Rob, but this week I'm going first. Rebellion. Because I'm ready to go. And in fact, I have a duplicate from last week. So last week... Don't laugh at me. It's still good. It's still doing good stuff. So last uh, week. It's, it's Peloton or this It's not usually. Peloton. I wish it was every week. It should be Peloton. I'm sorry. I'm one of those people now. I'll do a whole separate Peloton podcast. Anyway. Um, so this week, again, I am loving Ikea. And you know what? I really love what Ikea is doing. They're doing some cool stuff. Um, I'm, we're recording this on an Ikea desk right now. So it's pretty good. So one of the problematic things with Ikea, I have always found is the disposability of it. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you go in and you pay, like, two bucks for a dresser or whatever. Fast furniture. Uh, yeah, it's like... It's There's like a phrase I've just made. Fast up. furniture. I'm sure yes. somebody said that before, but I'm I don't claiming care. that they haven't. We're trademarking it right now. Totally. Here. Um, so, fast furniture. So, like, fast fashion, mm-hmm. I mean, it has some issues with that as well. Yes. Because you kind of want to buy stuff to last, you don't want to fill up a mm-hmm. landfill, and also, you kind of don't want to buy something that might fall over. To be fair, I've never had a real issue with IKEA furniture, but it's not exactly like heirloom furniture. No, supposed to be no one's passing this. No one on Antiques Roadshow no. in 50 years' time, or 100 years' time, or 200 years' time no. is going to be like it's a rare Bjorklund. Yes, I'm making that up. Desk or something. <laughs> I think it could be right. Um, so this week, uh, IKEA announced a furniture buyback and recycling scheme. Yes, mm. launching on or just in time or on Black Friday. So the BBC described it this way. So they said, under the plan, uh, IKEA will offer vouchers worth up to 50% of the original price to be spent at IKEA stores. And the buyback initiative is going to launch on Black Friday. They said, by making sustainable living more simple and accessible, IKEA hopes that the initiative will help its customers take a stand against excessive consumption this Black Friday and in the years to come. Um, It's said in reference to 27 November when lots of retailers offer discounts on their products in case 
you're a marketing person and listening to this podcast and you don't know what Black Friday is. <laughs> um, the international scheme will see customers given vouchers or coupons to spend at IKEA stores, the value of which will depend on the condition of the items they are returning. Uh, and that is about it. But and they're going to resell them on, aren't they? Which is interesting you mentioned. Is, it's oh, sort of in good I actually didn't know they're going to sell them on, I think, as pre-owned. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's send less to, uh, let's, you know, less, like, knocking down entire forests yeah. to make dressers. And I think one of the things we, we want to, always want to talk about is the idea of purpose. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, it's a really nice, mm-hmm. nice move. Mine's... Well, it, um, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, I thought you'd finished. No, I was just going to say, purpose. like, I, I think to your point about the brand purpose thing, it's, it's an example of a brand saying they want to do something because ikea has spent a lot of time and energy talking about sustainability in the yes. future and all of this but a lot of people were very right to point out well how, why yeah. are you talking about sustainability when everybody's throwing all of your mm-hmm. furniture away and you're knocking down whole forests to build yeah. stuff based on the volume of the business that you do because i believe they are the biggest furniture retailer in terms of volume that they they move which doesn't surprise me mm-hmm. uh, but it's a good example of them looking at themselves and saying like you know what? You're right. So let's do something about it and putting their money kind of where their mouth is. So I really enjoyed it. Okay. Mine's a behavioral science. Oh, uh, no. What? Turned no. around in your face. He's flipped um, it and reversed it. I've, I'm not sure I've got the exact terminology right, but uh, I, <laughs> um, my car had to be recalled today, in fact. Uh, so wow. I sent my car in to be fixed um, and the part changed. And... One of the things with cars, I think, that's a real difficult, especially around servicing, and I worked on Volkswagen in Australia, was the idea of how uh, opaque the service process is. Hmm. So, kind of, car goes in at one end, mm-hmm. and at the other end, there's a big bill. And because you don't know anything <laughs> about cars, yeah, you kind of have to pay it. So, what I'm I've sure seen a lot, right. of, a lot of people have been doing and do really well, I think, and 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 this dealer did this with my car. Was to create operational transparency. Ah, oh, yes. Talked about before. So I got a, an email with a link and a, and a personalized video of my car where they kind of literally were showing, testing the Wait, this just happened? tread. Yeah, testing the no, tread on my tires cool. and showing that I've got a bulge in the tire, so I need to get that thing. Um, and a bunch of different other stuff. And I've seen it happen before. I've seen it, I think there's a couple of different, different ones who do it. And we talked about doing it with Volkswagen. But I think that. It's a really great example of operational transparency um, for, for a particularly opaque mm-hmm. process where no one knows anything about uh, uh, cars. What I would have, the only thing I would have said to them is, give me a reference point. So if you're saying this is now 5 mil mm-hmm. and it needs to be 10, tell me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think that's a really nice example. I've seen it in a couple of different dealers do it, but I think it's a, a really nice mechanic and a, and a good yeah. thing for any brand to be able to show the, the, how your process works yeah and I feel like it's not even that I mean I think context would be nice right but it's the same thing with like YouTube videos like we watch people that like detail cars or do other complicated things and they as they give an explanation as they do it you feel yeah. like you're smarter even if you're not yeah. even if you don't you couldn't get under the hood and like fix your own car I mean I'm sure you could but I, I couldn't <laughs> um I, you I still like feel it. like you've gained like they're giving you value yes. in a in yeah. a sort of a series of things in which like you don't normally see the value that comes out of what you're paying for. And I think it I think there's a element of trust too. Yes. That you're prepared to show me literally under the hood. Yeah. Uh, I trust now that you're doing the right thing for me, whether that's the case or not. Mm-hmm. Well you did it. You've wasted another perfectly good half an hour or so with Rob and Jen and the Everybody Hates Your Brand podcast. 
Again, you can find us on everybodyhatesyourbrand.com and your podcast platform of choice. Have a week. Take great, great care and be vigilant. Thank you.